This is Beyond the Bell Tower, where an elite group of North Carolina State University students give us a behind-the-scenes look at their steps to success. These students, who are in the top 10% of the country, are active in student support services at NCSU. These students are low-income and first-generation college students. Nationally, this population has a 10% graduation rate. Here at NC State, these students have a graduation rate of over 90% and go on to become doctors, dentists, accountants, and engineers. They work at Google, Apple, and the NCAA. Some have even earned PhDs at Ivy League colleges. These students go well beyond the bell tower to attain their eminent goals. Rashonda and I welcome you back to the second part of our conversation. Because you, it's really about perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And especially at this level, it's like you haven't failed yet. Mm-hmm. You know, you've only achieved, you know, you've only been exceptional. Mm-hmm. And so you're not going to stop being exceptional. <sighs> you're pouring into me right now, Sarah. <laughs> Sarah, because... I'm really like I know that I want to continue on to school and mm-hmm. I know I want I know I need to and want to start a doctoral program but I am scared to death. What are you scared of? All the things we just talked oh, about. <laughs> All the things we just talked about and so I won't get emotional but I'm getting emotional. Y'all can't mm. see me. Um but I really know that I need to do it. I just I'm afraid. So I have to be reminded that Mm -hmm. I haven't failed yet. No, 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 no. And you're actually, from my knowledge of you, of working in student affairs, working in the College of Management, you know, of going, of extending yourself to not even an area that you had experience. Mm -hmm. You You extended yourself in being in a program where I think the people are like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know these people, I don't know this culture, you know, like the business culture. Oh, yeah. And now, now going back to Trio, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you're a perfect candidate. And I think, like, for my knowledge, which I don't have my PhD, but I like to pretend I know everything. Yes. <laughs> is that for a PhD program, especially, they're looking for your, in, like, looking for individuals. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> And, so, and I know all of this, mm-hmm. you know. So what's the first step you're going to take? I'm not asking you to apply today, but what's the first step that you feel? Sarah's using her advising <laughs> skills, her intrusive advising skills on me. We're gonna keep, we're going to keep in touch with you, Rashonda. <laughs> I'll be proud. I've taken mm-hmm. the um, Miller's Analogies Test, which mm-hmm. is not the GRE because I had a bad experience with the GRE, and so I'm trying a different approach this time. Um, so I've taken that test, and I, I have a checklist or a spreadsheet, actually, on places mm-hmm. I could apply. I'm just—I've really been dragging my feet. Mm-hmm. And I had to be reminded today in talking about this imposter syndrome of why I'm dragging my feet, because there's some place down inside of me that tells me, you can't do this. You don't belong here. I don't know how you've managed to get this far, when the reality mm-hmm. is yeah. I deserve to be here. And there is no one else that is more deserving than me. I have all the credentials that I need. I just, there's a lot of pieces to it. So although we're here talking about this, I really want people to know that this is something that you continue to have after 
the degree process, the graduate mm-hmm. degree, even as a parent maybe or as a friend or if you're applying a doctoral program mm-hmm. <laughs> or a new job, um, you, you're constantly having to dismiss feelings of inadequacy even when you know that you can do it. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. yeah, and I always think, um, too, it's like, who are you to say you can't get in? That's not your job to right. say. Like, you're not on the admissions committee. <laughs> like, so, but there's why a part do you of... stop thinking? <laughs> you need to stop thinking you are. And you know the crazy thing is I, I think I would get in, but you I think Which, finishing. Are you, are you applying a P, for a PhD in, like, nanoscience? No. Or, okay. No, no, of course you not. Can... I don't. What programs are you looking at? So... I am looking at some of the higher ed programs. Mm-hmm. I am looking at a um, history program mm-hmm. because I love history. I'm also looking at um, a counseling program and a leadership program, mm-hmm. which is at a historically black college that's local. Mm-hmm. So most of the programs, though, are going to be here at State. So I'm not assuming that I won't get in. I'm just nervous about finishing <laughs> Finishing the application? Finishing, finishing the, the program. Degree. Look, I'm already at finishing the program and I haven't even applied. <laughs> you, I am shaking my head for those at home. And she's laughing, touching me, going, stop shaking your head. Don't shake your head. Well, because I know that it's all in my brain and it's not yeah. reality. But so what's your advice? Like, how do you, what do you think you should do to get out of your head? I've given myself different benchmarks to hit, and I'm just going to hit those benchmarks. And I'm going to continue to tell people what my goals are so that they can hold me accountable. So now when Sarah sees me at meetings or in practice, she can say, hey, what are you doing about this? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. have you applied? What You know, so I'm going to do that more. I'm going to start telling people my intentions so they can hold me accountable. Sometimes I keep a lot of things to myself. That way I don't have any accountability partner. Mm-hmm. And the only person I usually let down is myself. But mm-hmm. if I tell others and they hold me accountable, that will help. Mm-hmm. Um, my partner, he has given me different incentives for taking baby <laughs> steps. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, to take the Miller's analogy test, he, he said, you have to take it. If you don't take it, you're not going to be able to buy this particular thing that you wanted, mm. um, which I really wanted this nice African skirt. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you don't take this test, you're not going to be able to buy it. And in my head, I was like, so what? I'll just buy it, you know, in a month or two. He's like, no, you're not going to be able to buy it for the rest of the year. And mm. I was just like, that's a long time. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. he knows me well. He knows that I need accountability. So. That's what I'm going to do. But yeah. Well, and I think, too, when you're talking, it's almost like going into logic mind, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like I'm logically going to apply knowing that my emotion mind isn't helping me out. Right. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's, it's you to turn off the feelings almost yes. and treat it like a work. Exactly. Because your feelings will tell you any and everything. And sometimes I really just have to put my feelings aside and I have to do it. And for me, of course, working with TRIO, I have to think about my students. I told some of my students that I was applying. And so they're really, like, asking me about it and encouraging me to do it. And when I meet with them, they're like, okay, well, what about you? Have you turned in <laughs> your applications? And so that that helps me, too, to turn off those emotions because emotions lie. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just because it feels right or mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's right. No. Usually it's not right if it feels right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, I just got to do it, honestly. Mm-hmm. And um, I will. Because the other thing that comes to mind, too, is that people need you to get your Ph.D. So one of the reasons, why, I mean, what's kind of unique about a Ph.D. program is that you create new knowledge, mm-hmm. that you bring something new to the, you know, area, whether it be history or student development or leadership. Mm-hmm. And so if you withhold that, mm-hmm. you know, is that that's a disservice to you, but it's also a disservice to the next generation right. that you like you withheld, you know, being in a place that's going to support you to make that impact. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm withholding knowledge. I like how you put that. I like you that. Are. I like that reframe, and that I have to do it, or someone will miss out on information. That's a good mm-hmm. way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Because thinking generationally, that impacted you thinking mm-hmm. about your generations, and mm-hmm. so, like for future generations, mm-hmm. you know, they need to know, you know, what you've brought into the world that only you could bring into the world. That's good. Yeah. Uh, she's giving I mean, me a look. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But, you know, it, it helps me to not think about it in terms of myself mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, culturally we're taught not to think about ourselves, you know, but thinking about it in a grand scheme of humanity and people mm-hmm. um, helps it for me. Mm-hmm. It helps me. Yeah, it's, yeah, and that's another whole topic, how we aren't nice to ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, how we're nicer or even more respectful to other people than we are. Like the stuff we would say to ourselves, we would never say to another human being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we're fine telling ourselves that. Mm -hmm. But that's another whole. (laughs) I know. So anyways, yeah, we're working (laughs) on it. Both of us are working on it. Mm -hmm. So now you did you graduate with ease through graduate school? I did. I did. I graduated um, after two years. I did graduate um, from the University of Georgia, mm-hmm. and it was pretty easy. Uh, the assignments and things were not easy. I definitely had to, I think, work 10, maybe 20 times as hard as some of my peers. I did not own a laptop at all, and so I had to check out one from the College of Education every single week. To mm-hmm. the point they knew my name. Mm-hmm. Now, get this, though. I checked out the nicest laptop I could get. I had a MacBook for two years mm-hmm. <laughs> that I just continued to check out. And I think the guy knew I was coming back every week, so he probably just, like, laid it aside for me. And I don't even know if I was supposed to do that, <laughs> but it worked out. And so um, I, I really had to work to get all the resources that I needed, and I really had to make I I type papers and I would retype them or I would work on projects and I would redo them even after they were done. And I had a roommate who just could not understand why I just would not (laughs) just turn it in already. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, it was that voice telling me, "Okay, you could do more or this isn't good enough. Start over. And yeah, I had to work around that. But I did graduate and it was a glorious day. All my faculty members were there, my cohort. And I still keep in touch with my faculty and my cohort. And they still, 
I went to Georgia a few weeks ago for a friend who graduated with her PhD at Georgia. And they were like, Rashonda, what are you doing? When are you coming back? What's going on? And so the fact that I've been gone there for almost 10 years and people still know me and people still reach out to me and people still want to know how I'm doing and what I'm doing next is a testament to the program and just a testament to the relationships that I built there. So I didn't struggle like I did in undergrad because it was an educational program and I I guess they put some things in place to keep me from struggling, but I did have to work harder than my peers probably. Mm-hmm. 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 And that obviously probably wasn't necessary, but it did build up work ethic probably. It did, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I had to ask myself too, why, why is it that after a paper is done, did I feel the need to go back or start over or compare my mm-hmm. work to others? So, again, I did have to um, check myself a lot and mm-hmm. what I was doing because mm-hmm. sometimes it was irrational. But I also yeah. had to... Um, it was a, for the first time I had started going to counseling mm-hmm. to talk to a counselor about how I was feeling and some of the emotions that I felt. And um, she was able to help me frame a lot of things, um, a lot of my emotions and feelings around my upbringing. And it was just a great experience for me to be able to talk to someone who was completely unbiased and for her to actually hear me. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. in my house growing up, we talked a lot, but no one listened. Right. So to be in a space where someone could listen and, and help me make meaning of how I was feeling was great for me. And I think that was also one of the reasons why I did well at Georgia. Mm-hmm. It was my same experience in graduate school is that I became a better person because mm-hmm. I had a, a counseling graduate degree, too. And so mm-hmm. it was and I remember it being part of the program is like you have to better yourself along with becoming a a, a trained counselor mm-hmm. and that I think is huge it's even though you're in graduate school in 22 doesn't mean mm-hmm. self-growth is ending it's actually probably beginning oh definitely mm-hmm. definitely I learned so much more about myself in that in that process mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. good and then you went on to get Amazing jobs? I did. I knew in graduate school that I wanted to work with historically black colleges and universities. I did all of my research on historically black colleges and universities, and um, I knew that's where I wanted to be. And so after graduate school, I worked at Spelman College in Atlanta, and I got the opportunity to work with um, their housing and residence life office. I also got to work with their pre-college programs there and a little bit with their admissions office. And then I ended up getting engaged and transitioning to back to North Carolina, um, where I worked at North Carolina Central University with their residential life program. And I really just continued to enjoy the HBCU experience until I transitioned back to state <laughs> some years later. So um, HBCUs are still very much an interest of mine, but for some reason I had a calling to come back here. Mm-hmm. And maybe because I knew that there were students that needed the support that I had when I was here, um, or maybe it's because it just feels like home here. Mm-hmm. But I've been here now for a while, and I'm I'm still enjoying it. 
Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've seen the improvements, the advancements that De- NC State's made. Definitely. If we had a TRIO program when I was here, like a student support services mm-hmm. program, oh, I, you and I would have been best, <laughs> best friends. You would have been one of those mentors that I had. But yeah, we did not have um, student support services when I was here. I didn't think you all came in, what, 09, maybe, I think, 2009. Um, but we didn't have programs like that. Um, we had Multicultural Student Affairs and the Cultural Center, and I got connected in my major. But the university is doing a great job now and really trying to figure out, really trying to anticipate what students' needs are and trying to meet those needs. And so, yes. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. Now, what's your direct advice, like real steps that a student could take now, say they're a freshman, a sophomore, and how they can best prepare to tackle, like they're if they have um, the feeling of imposter syndrome or the double bind that we talked about, or even just irrational self-talk. And mm-hmm. so, I have three things that I want to encourage students to do, and we'll see if it transforms into four. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but we can add into six. It's the, okay. <laughs> the first thing I encourage students to do is um, to find safe spaces on their campus to that will affirm their identity. So regardless of if you identify as a first-generation college student, as a um, underrepresented student, as a student that likes golf, as a student that like a student that commutes to campus, whatever it is that you identify with, make sure that you find spaces on campus for you to feel at home with your people. Like she said before, find your tribe. Um, that's really going to help sustain you. And while you do that and you find your spaces, also find spaces where you can step out of your comfort zone and practice being uncomfortable because the more you do it, the better you will get at it. So don't just find your tribe and stay there, but find your tribe and then step out of your tribe every now and again to see how it feels. And you'll find that you'll get better and better at it to the point where you won't even know that you're out (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you've gotten so accustomed to it. So that's number one. Um, number oh, I have a story, actually, oh, a student ahead. I always brag about about uh-huh. that, where every semester she picked something to do that made her uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So one, she went, joined a student organization, a f- affinity organization, which she did not, like, belong to, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, so she mm-hmm. joined a African dance group, and she was not African, and she had never danced before. Mm-hmm. And she, she said it was so funny, because she was the only person who had a problem with it. Like, <laughs> Everyone else? No, yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone was just like, okay. And she's like, but what, you you know, and it was like, no, you're here. Mm -hmm. Like, we need you to do this. And so, I mean, I think that's the thing, too, is that you're probably going to be the only person who's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You got to just do it. Yeah, just Mm -hmm. step out and do it. You'll Mm -hmm. find that you'll learn so much about yourself. And then you'll learn about the people that are outside your group, which will take you far. My next thing is to learn more about your culture, which sounds weird because a lot of people are like, oh, okay, I know my culture. I know my relatives. I know my ancestors. But do you really ask yourself in high school history, did you really learn everything you needed to know about your culture, your people? And if that answer is no, 
try to take classes about your culture, try to ask relatives, maybe do your own research. There's a lot of like Mm Ancestry.com. I don't know how factual they all are, but there's a lot of that out there where you can kind of track who you are and who your people were. And so find a way to do that because for me, that gave me life, literally and figuratively. And so seek that information out and that will be extremely helpful for you to um, make sure that you're, you know, making your ancestors proud. And then the last thing I would say is if you are encountering some of that, you know, negative self-talk or some of those, um, if you're hearing in your head that you're not good enough, I would say talk to somebody and not just talking to a friend or your mom because, you know, parents will They'll love you and they'll tell you whatever you need to hear. <laughs> but talking to a non-biased person, a counselor, um, here at the university, you can talk to someone for free in the counseling office. Um, and really just getting out how you feel or what you're thinking and have someone toss it back at you. Have someone challenge you. Have someone ask you in-depth questions. It feels emotion. Well, it feels uncomfortable while you're doing it. Mm-hmm. But once it's over, you feel so much lighter and relieved and just happy that someone else knows your story, that it's incredible. So I want to encourage people to do that. Uh, Culturally, I grew up hearing that, you know, only a certain type of people go to counseling and that people like us shouldn't go to counseling. But that is a total lie. (laughs) (laughs) And my parents now both go to counseling, and it's been really good for them as well. And I, I I do as well. So I just want to encourage people to do it and normalize counseling a little bit more so that people feel safe in doing that. It's it's good for your soul. Yeah, and I think that's, too, it's like seeking out help, whatever that may be, if it's, you know, physical health, Mm -hmm. if it's spirituality, if it's because you don't know everything. No. You know, and so actually what we do know as individuals is so small Mm -hmm. that— you know, we have to ask other people, talk to other people, go try different things mm-hmm. because our small world isn't enough. Sometimes, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. like think about how many people you rely on. Right. And sometimes we just need a counselor. Like my counselor, she'll just like turn a mirror around on me and have me look at myself and, you know, say some of the things that I'm thinking in my head out loud so then I could hear how irrational it sounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it's just, it's good for me. And so I encourage people to do that. Try it at least once. Yeah, because that's the piece too, is like if you're afraid or embarrassed to tell a friend or something, then that's perfect for a counselor. Like that's that's, that's what you should share with Heck a counselor. Yeah. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But those are my, my three, and it didn't turn into four. Good. good one good. was kind of 1.A. What's that? 1A um, and 1B. It was to find safe spaces, but also, mm-hmm. you know, reach out to space in spaces that mm-hmm. make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like an extra bullet. Did you ever get the genetic testing? I know a lot of people are doing that now. I have not because a part of me is like, well, how do I know that this is legit? Oh, okay. So I want to, though. Yeah. But a part of me is like, how do I know there's not just some person in some back room, like, circling (laughs) stuff, and I already gave my $100? Because I'm super cheap. That's the, you know, low-income part of me coming out. Yeah. I don't want to, like— quote-unquote waste money so i haven't yeah. done it yet but if someone out there listening wants to gift me with a <laughs> i'm just kidding a reliable <laughs> genetic test. but I, I really want to do it i really am interested in finding out you know what part of 
I say Africa, but it may not be Africa. What part of Africa my ancestors are from? What yeah, part of the world. Yeah, what mm-hmm. particular tribe um, they might have been a part of. And just doing more research on that. I love mm-hmm. it. Love mm-hmm. history. Yeah, because I like to do it to see how many lies. Because family tell lies. OMG. So. Yes, they do. <laughs> so I just want to show everybody, but no, my family, no one will believe that I'm part whatever. Everybody yeah. like, they would just say, oh, there she goes being... That too overly educated, yeah, Rashonda. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, thanks for talking with us, Rashonda. We'll Thank bring you, you back for the PhD acceptance party. We'll have that on air. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Don't hide your head. I know. Okay. All right. We'll do it. Let's okay. do it. It'll be soon. TRIO Student Support Services Program and Student Support Services STEM are federally funded college retention and completion programs. These programs focus on academic, personal, and career support for under-resourced undergraduate students. At TRIO SSS and SSS STEM, our goal is helping our students reach their goals. We are currently accepting new students to our program. Apply today. Go to www.ncsu.edu to learn more about Student Support Services at NC State.